Dr. E. Michael Jones joins us, culturewars.com. Boy, that's actually ironic. When did you, you know what, I didn't even plan on doing this, but now I'm just curious. When did you launch culturewars.com? Actually, the, the magazine started in 1981, uh, and then I got, it was, uh, I started as a Catholic magazine, and I dealt with intra-Catholic problems, and then about 10 years later, uh, I was involved in writing a biography of Cardinal Kroll of Philadelphia, and I realized that um, this wasn't an intra-Catholic issue, that there was a war against the Catholic Church. Uh, and I remembered back in Germany, there was a war against the Catholic Church, and it was called Kulturkampf in the 1870s, and I just translated it into English as culture wars. So it was around 1992. The other thing that happened around that time was Pat Buchanan used the term. So it kind of came into common usage in the early to mid-90s, and that's when I changed the name of the magazine from Fidelity to Culture Wars. I just like to give credence to, uh, you know, where these names originate. Like, I recognize that The War Room has been a title that's been around forever. There were movies and shows. We relaunched it. Now five other people have a show called The War Room after we relaunched it. But it's funny because, obviously, you've had culture wars forever. Uh, now Turning Point USA claims it's in the culture war when it engages in neither culture or a war for it. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. It was just funny for me to see your website, Culture Wars, that's been there for so long. Now... Uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, obviously you followed this, uh, all kinds of news over there at Culture Wars. I, I have to get your take because it's what we've been talking about. It's the hot ticket item right now. What do you think about the Democrat impeachment scam right now to remove Trump from office? Do you think America is falling for this? Do you think they're buying this? Is it wearing thin? And, and how perilous is it for Americans to recognize the reality of this coup for what it is ahead of the election? I think it's an, an attempt to overturn the, the will of the American people. The American people chose Donald Trump. Everybody knew at the, during this election that it was a, we had two parties that represented the views of the oligarchs and no party that represented the view of the people. Uh, we saw in Donald Trump someone who was going to do exactly that. I mean, I was here when he came to Indiana, to South Bend, Indiana, the biggest crowd there. Uh, and I think what we've seen from the beginning of his administration is an attempt to, to thwart his ability to put that mandate into action. And this is uh, the, late, the latest attempt at doing that. So I think uh, what, we, what we've had here for, for a long time is a war against representative government. This happened in, in Indiana basically the year before uh, Donald Trump arrived in 2016. Uh, in 2015, the state legislature passed uh, something called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was basically an attempt to keep uh, Indiana uh, people of Indiana safe from the homosexual juggernaut, the homosexual agenda. If they didn't want to bake uh, a cake for a gay wedding, they didn't have to. They were secure. As soon as that bill was passed, the ink wasn't dry, and the CEOs descended on Indiana, Indianapolis, and informed the people uh, in the legislature that they had to change their law because they were unhappy. This was a constitutional crisis. It was a government crisis. It was a uh, 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 an attack on representative government. Now, unfortunately— the governor, Mike Pence, didn't see it that way. 
He, he had, a, he had a, a, an opening that was very clear when the CEO of uh, Salesforce arrived here and told Mr. Uh, told the, the legislators they had to change their law. All they had to do was ask him uh, w what part of Indiana he was from. Well, he was from California. And then the, he could have asked him, well, who elected you to office? Well, nobody did. Well, then what are you doing here? He could have portrayed it that way, but he didn't. So what you saw in the aftermath was that basically the legislature just rolled over and played dead. They handed the bill over to the former mayor of Indianapolis, who was then an employee of Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company, and Eli Lilly basically rewrote the law. Well, this is proof that we didn't have representative government. This is proof that the, the, the biggest issue in our day is basically how is warfare conducted in our day? Well, and, and let's get into that next. Let's get have. into that next. But but let's focus on what you're talking about with representative government for, for the rest of this segment, because I look at the Democrats as the manifestation of that. The Republicans kind of just hide it like they don't want you to know they don't really represent you, but they kind of still like to pretend they do and, you know, show the Constitution like, oh, I still know about the Constitution. Whereas the Democrats are sitting here literally fighting for men that can have babies. I mean, that's that's representative of not a single person. So the Democrats are actually like, hey, we represent men that want to have babies. Hey, we represent, you know, the, the transsexual community, even though it's not even a, a blanket statement that they can make. They just do it anyway. Well, that's less than a, a fraction of a percentage of the country. So, I mean, it, it really shows that not only in practice are they not trying to represent their constituents, but, but also how both sides of the aisle kind of pretend to have representative government. But, but like you said, it, it's not there. There is no representation. Well, this was proof of it. This was proof of it. The, this law was passed, and then the legislators tore up their own law because uh, the oligarchs were unhappy. Who, who, are, who are the oligarchs? They're the big, the transnational corporations, uh, pharmaceutical companies like Eli Lilly, tax exempt oh, and let's be clear, too. We're about to go to a break here, and let's get into the, the whole how war is uh, uh, prescribed, I guess you could say. We'll get into that coming up. But... It really shows how you don't have representative government, folks. If you get damaged by a vaccine, you'll find out real quick. A vaccine kills your kid, you, you guess what? You get nothing. They might give you, you know, a million bucks, but you won't get to be able to go out there to the vaccine manufacturers. They'll get away with the whole thing. Welcome back to the InfoWars War Room, brought to you by InfoWarsStore.com. Cyber Week specials right now at InfoWarsStore.com. Take advantage of that before... Those specials end. Dr. E. Michael Jones is with us. And he was kind of getting into something, uh, how we prescribe war. Those are my words, not his, but he can kind of flesh that out here, what he meant. And I, I'll put this out there as kind of a catalyst to where you want to go here. Uh, this was put out today by CUFI. In fact, I don't even know what that's an acronym for, guys. If you want to pull that up maybe so I can... Uh, actually tell you what that acronym is for. And it's Dan Crenshaw at a desk. He's so noble. And it says, quoting Dan Crenshaw, America would not be here without Israel and the important lessons of Jerusalem. Well, I, I mean, I don't even know if I could begin to tell you how this is the epitome of hyperbole, but I mean, quite literally, 
Israel would not exist without America fighting in World War II. So it's very strange, and this is coming from Dan Crenshaw, who seems to care more for the fate of Israel than the fate of America. And this is a big divide right now amongst a conservative base of Donald Trump's. So how do you tie this in to what you were getting into in the last segment, Dr. E. Michael Jones? Yeah, well, I, I voted for Donald Trump uh, because he was talking about America first. And then he comes along and uh, the foreign policy, it becomes pretty clear, is Israel first. That was, our, that was the foreign policy we got. So it was a disaster. It's been a disaster. Nothing, nothing he's done has gone right in the Middle East because he's too beholden to the Israel lobby. He thinks that if he if he appeases these people, that they are going to save him from the deep state, and it's not happening. It's it's not going to happen. Biggest blunder of his of his career. But the point I'm trying to make here is that most people just simply don't understand how warfare is waged in our day. I mean, we, you know, you've got those pictures of uh, aircraft carriers and Japanese planes, and that was how warfare was done back then. But if you can go into a country now and you can change their constitution and you can get people to uh, vote away their what are inalienable rights, like the right to life, uh, the right to free speech, the right to have a family, you've conquered that country, whether, whether you use a, a gun or an airplane or not. And what I'm talking about is Ireland. This is exactly what happened in Ireland over the past 10 years. They had a referendum on abortion in which they, they, they got people to vote out uh, their right to life for other Irishmen. They had a referendum on gay marriage. This was unprecedented, unprecedented, because in the United States, we have this type of stuff. We have abortion, we have gay marriage, but no one ever voted for it here. It's been imposed on us in both instances by the Supreme Court. The most liberal state in California voted against gay marriage, and that was all overturned by the Supreme Court. The same thing was true. Every single abortion law in this country was overturned by the Supreme Court. So you have a, a much more traditional country, especially if you compare Ireland to, say, California, much more traditional country, and yet some force just rolled over it rolled over it and turned the entire population into second-class citizens in their own country, and nobody understood why because they don't understand how warfare is waged in our day. So the, the, the groups that I was trying to, going to mention here, and specifically, and same groups that are in Indiana that tried to do what I talked about with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, it's the big transnational corporations. Ireland invites them into their country with low tax rates, 12.5%. And as soon as they get there, they say, well, you know, we think uh, e e e we like it here, but you have to change certain things. And then you've got tax exempt foundations. The this has been a problem in America ever since the 1950s. There was a Reese Committee hearing, which basically said foundations had too much power vis-a-vis -vis the government. And that, that committee was shut down within two weeks because duh, yeah, they had more power than the government. And the final uh, aspect of this is the new information technology. So you have groups like Google and Facebook going in and basically adjusting the algorithm during the run-up to these referenda so that the only information you get is the information that the oligarchs want you to get. 
So if you type in, just go to YouTube and you type in abortion, you will not find one single aspect anti-abortion in anything you see. The only thing you will see is pro-abortion propaganda. And so what, what happens here is if you can control the flow of information this way, you can control the country, you can take over the country without firing a shot. And that's exactly what happened in Ireland. We're going to have the crew go to YouTube right now and type in abortion. Uh, they just did it on Google, and it was just basic, uh, you know, medical factoids or whatever uh, on abortion, I guess, if you had medical questions. But, oh, and the crew's now telling me, actually, there's mostly Planned Parenthood links that pop up there. Well, that's nice. I mean, you know, the, the eugenicist program over there. Um, and so uh, we're just looking at some of the results here on YouTube. But... You know, this is a this is a real shocking one to me because I was raised Catholic. I'm glad I was raised Catholic for the values instilled in me. And it's funny because it's like if you don't have that connection to God instilled with you at a young age, it's not even whatever. I mean, I won't even get into playing one religion off against the other. It's a connection to God. It's the connection to a divinity. It's a connection to something more powerful. It's I, I mean, it, it's having morals and a, and, a, and a consciousness and a moral compass, and they just want to erase all that, and, and abortion is the big one. Like, yeah, you know, kill your kids. It's, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly normal, and then let Planned Parenthood chop them up and sell them for profit, and you're just supposed to deal with it and say it's loving and liberal. They call it self-love, and it's really just a dehumanizing thing. It, it really is at a base level, something that just dehumanizes us as a culture, where if we can do that, then, uh, you know, well, whatever else. That's exactly the point. If, if you can do that, what can't you do? Or if you're willing to give up that right, if you're willing to give up the right, sacrifice the uh, lives of other Irishmen or other Americans to that, well, what aren't you willing to do? And th these people know that. I mean, these are all the people who are, understand that the best way to control people is to control the most intimate aspects of their lives, which is sexuality. So I wrote a book. It's called Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. Sexual liberation is a form of political control. OK, I can say that and people understand immediately what I'm talking about. I'm talking specifically about uh, 20 year olds who grew up with pornography on their cell phones and as a result acquired a bad pornography addiction and other bad habits that go along with that. They knew they were slaves. I didn't have to tell them that, but I could explain to them how this worked and what the people who made this happen were thinking when they did it and they immediately understood what I was saying. And so this past month in, in November, there was a boycott of pornography organized against this uh, uh, by this group of people. Rolling Stone was so upset that they had to write an article uh, attacking these people as Nazis because they wouldn't watch. But pornography. it's weird. It's like it's like I don't even think it's really. It's not like people are calling for the pornography industry to be shut down. I mean, I know some are, but it's more just like, hey, it's immoral. There's dangers to this, and they're like, oh, how dare you? It's like, no, that's there are dangers to that. Doctor E. Michael Jones is my guest. He covered this story from Paul Joseph Watson at Summit.News. Britain's first transgender couple, isn't that cute, to allow their five-year-old child to begin transition. Now, 
you can hear the liberals screaming, it's their right. It's liberal. Like a five-year-old can't be a girl or a boy or an octopus or anything. <laughs> okay, well, how about this? If I had a pet dog, let's say I just went out and I just uh, got a pet golden retriever, a male, and, you know, most people have their pets neutered. It's socially acceptable, culturally acceptable, and neuter your pet. Well, let's say I had my golden retriever. It's about 12 months, 18 months, and, uh, you know, I haven't neutered it or anything. It's still got its male member and parts. And, well, I just decided I'm going to chop off my golden retriever's male member and just make an incision and turn my golden retriever into a female. Well, I'd probably get arrested. That'd probably be considered animal abuse, and PETA would show up, and I'd have protesters outside my house pouring blood on my lawn saying, how dare you sexually abuse and mutilate an animal? But if you do it to your kid, it's considered loving and liberal. Dr. E. Michael Jones, how, how does this exist? How, how do we live in this strange cultural paradigm where sexual abuse and psychological abuse is accepted as long as it has the label of, of liberal on it? The short answer to that question is gay marriage. Now, what is gay marriage? It, it, it means that two people uh, cannot, who cannot have children now have the right to call themselves uh, a family. And because they have the right to call themselves a family, they now have the right to have children that they cannot have. Okay, well, where are these children going to come from? Well, uh, guess what? You're going to have to buy them because that's the only way to get them if you're not a male and a female in a, in a regular family. So what you're doing here is turning the child into an object of cons consumption. He's a, he's a, it's a lifestyle uh, gesture now. It's like buying a certain type of car. You own that child now. It's not something that you brought into the world with the collaboration of your spouse and God. No, hold on, though. You own that. I, I'm, you I'm, own I, that child. I'm not trying to interrupt. It's just this is actually so key, and I want to remind the audience. I mean, we can go back and pull the clip. We don't have to. I, Dr. Jones here can explain it. But remember, they used to say, that child doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the community. That's them, per, that's them announcing their ownership. That's them announcing children as their liberal property to do whatever they want with to confuse everything, confuse gender, confuse sexual identity, confuse the youth, and so that then they have the same concept of the kid just being a piece of property. It's like, like a Tamagotchi. Hey, it's a Tamagotchi. It's just a game. You own it. You can feed it. You can do whatever you want. It's not a creation of God. It doesn't have a divine existence. Sure, chop its genitals off. So, so really focus on that here because that's the key. You're 100% you're right. It's about changing the concept of a child into like your plaything. So the state now can confer on you the right to have a child, which you cannot do by yourself as uh, two males in, in this homosexual, whatever it is, okay? So if you can own this piece of property, which is what it is, I mean, this is the return of slavery. That used to be that you could own people, and when you own people, you can do whatever you want with them. And so in this instance, you can project your own fantasies 
uh, your own sexual fantasies onto the child and say, well, since I'm transgendered, I can mutilate this child to have that child conform to me, to my image of myself. Or, hey, I wasn't accepted growing here. up because uh, I wanted to put a dress on or be gay, and I, I never got to live out that dream, so I'm going to make my kid do it. That's exactly what's happening here. Now, in a normal marriage, uh, you would no, no one would have this right because you knew that this was uh, there was a, a God-given order here. The basic manifestation of this God-given order when it comes to sexuality is male and female. Well, you've already said, now you're saying that doesn't mean anything. Male and female is purely a figment of my mind. Okay, now if you make this a figment of my mind, then your mind has hegemony over being, and you become God. And you now can this play is, God this is another by, this is another key here by changing the gender of this child. But it's talk about that though. That they want to eliminate God from the school, and that's another key. See, you eliminate God, you eliminate divine creation, you eliminate divine purpose, and then it's like you said, it's like, oh, it's just a free-for-all now, no rules, no no purpose, no divine creation, just be whatever you want to be, uh, put a snout on your face and call yourself a pig. It's not quite that simple because there's always going to be some type of authority, and what you're saying is that you can play God. Okay, if there's no order, then order becomes a function of the desires of the rich and the powerful. And these are the people that we call oligarchs. They take the role of God. And when they become God, you don't have any rights. Okay, because there's no nature, there's no God, there's nothing you can appeal to, there's no moral law. All you have is the opinion of the rich and the powerful who confer privileged status on certain groups like homosexuals and then put the uh, power of the state behind them to allow them to uh, 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 implement their agenda. So where do you think it goes from here? I mean, are America, I mean, I see people standing up. I mean, drag queen story time is mostly totally rejected. It's just they just force it on you and say, oh, it's hate speech and bigoted if you don't accept it even though like 80% of the people don't want it, but they just say, oh no, that's bigoted. And so they just force it on you. So where does, uh, where is the breaking point here where they force these things onto our culture that, that people don't want like drag queen story time? Well, the, 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 the I've, I've said before that sexual liberation is uh, a form of control. So at the beginning, you offer a, a large group of people something that they couldn't do before. Maybe let's begin with divorce. OK, that was one of the barriers that fell. And then you go on to whatever it is. And then finally, now you're pu you're pushing an agenda that is alien to everyone. I mean, except a, a very small minority of the people. Even if you're talking about homosexuality, you're only talking about 1% of the population. So when you get down to this area, you're promoting an, an agenda that is even more extreme, more repugnant to normal people who can't even bear to look at these pictures, pictures of these guys, you know, dressed up as women. They find that repugnant. And so you're going to cause a reaction. The reaction has already started. The reaction was in the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in, 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 in the legislature of Indiana 2015. It was followed by Trump. The reaction is, is spreading and, and their counter reaction is spreading as well to the point where the battle right now is going to be over. Who gets to talk in YouTube or better still, does the ADL basically have the right to tell Americans what they're allowed to say? That's what it's come down to. That's, that's where it stands right now.
And by the way, now you have the uh, fake news liberal activist, uh, 60 Minutes CNN host, uh, going to ADL events. You have Sasha Baron Cohen saying the ADL needs to decide free speech. Well, who the hell are these people to decide free speech? I don't think so. Uh, final 60 seconds, Dr. Jones, uh, final commentary. Yeah, who gave the ADL the right to tell Americans what they're allowed to say? That's the question. Look into the background of the ADL. I've got an article, ebook, Jewish Privilege. You'll find out where these people came from. It was an organization that was started to defend a Jewish pedophile. Why do these people have the right to tell us what we're allowed to say? And where can people find your work and your books? Go to culturewars.com and we can establish secure channels of communication which are not at the whim of groups like the ADL. And folks, we might not be there yet, and uh, you know we can hope and pray we never get there, but there may be a time where you'll never see Dr. E. Michael Jones on any internet platform other than Culture Wars. There might be a time where you don't see Owens Roy or anybody with InfoWars, folks. I mean, that's where it's going. Dr. E. Michael Jones, thank you so much. Thank you.